Big Fluff. So, you guys are all just gonna up and go straight? Yeah. You gotta try it yourself sometime, man. I can do it. I, I have, I've had straight jobs. You ever had a straight job? I had plenty of straight jobs. Yeah, really? Well, name one. I sold Avon. You were an Avon lady? I was an Avon man. <laughs> all right? Yeah. Wait, what, you got a problem with no, that? No, I don't have a friend. It's fair. I mean, why are you looking at me That's like that? I'm not. Shit? I'm not. It's okay. All right. All right. I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, but my mama, she sold Avon. Yeah. And don't be disrespecting my mom. No, no, I know your mom. Remember at your party? Yeah, she whipped your ass. No, she sucker punched me. Why yeah, that, ain't, me. that ain't the first time you've been sucker punched by a big woman. Yeah, well, you know, I think I got a kind of a fetish. Did you just say my mama had a fat ass? No, I said I have I have a kind of a fetish for for big uh, women. Oh, yeah. But she do got a fat yeah, ass she though. Does. Hey everybody, I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Andy McIntyre. And this is Silver Linings Playback, the podcast where we watch maligned movies and we find their silver lining. And we are continuing to move through rappers turned actors month. I don't think uh, it's, I mean, musicians turned actors. Musicians, that's true. It's not just, it's, yeah, because. I mean, the Spice Girls, they, you know, sometimes. They do rap sometimes. Sometimes a little bit, but, uh, you know, no spoilers for how we're going to close out the month, but right. definitely not with anyone who's ever rapped. So. Yeah, I hope not. I mean, maybe. I, I wouldn't rule it out, but. I can't think of an example. Anyways, yeah, musicians uh, trying their hand at acting. And yeah, this this week we've got the uh, preposterously titled Cradle to the Grave. Yeah, which has nothing to do with cradles, except that there is DMX's kid. And I, I mean, I guess you can see cradle stage. Yeah, she's eight uh, and graves. I mean, a lot of people die. So I guess I'll give them that. But there's no funerals. No. Um, yeah, the title of this movie makes no sense. It's Cradle to the Grave, uh, starring DMX in probably his like third or fourth acting role. Something like that. Yeah, I think Romeo must die. Well, he, when Andy did Belly. Yeah, he, yeah. So he had a few before this. But this but is arguably like, like he, this is the first time he's like the lead lead. Well, right. Yeah. Because if you watch Romeo Must Die, he's very much a side character in that. And, you know, this is like the first time that he's really trying his hands at like an action movie star. Yeah. I mean, he's on the poster in Belly. But that's he's not an action. Exit wounds. But Belly's not an action movie. Like that's no. more, you know, sort of I won't say like based on his life, but it's more sort of in that kind of world of like right. what you would expect from a we're going to make a movie about DMX. So it's like he, you know, like it's a more grounded, though, very highly stylized uh, reality. I, I guess I should say at the top, big fan of DMX, like just huge fan. Yeah. Yeah. Just to put that out there. And I've seen all of these movies. Uh, so. <laughs> Uh, just to throw that out there and may he rest in peace also, yes. uh, DMX rest is, in power DMX. Yeah. Just great, uh, presence. And, and we kind of bended our rules a little bit. Cause I feel like all these other ones are sort of like someone's debut or whatever, but we were like, we got to do a DMX movie and we want to do DMX. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think, I think for my money, the, the DMX Jet Lee pairing was a good very indicative of the fact that this was made in the early 2000s <laughs> choice oh, this movie is about as early aughts as you can get 
Yeah, just from from moment one when the needle drops on an Eminem song, just to let you know. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, in fairness, uh, there's a needle drop of Eminem in the movie Venom. So, I mean, may- maybe not always an indication that it's early 2000s. Well, I mean, Eminem is one of the biggest rappers of all time, so I don't think you can totally write off well and also not to get on this tangent but venom is one of the most early 2000s of the recent comic book movies yeah that's (laughs) that's very true yeah but also possibly indicating the era in which this is made i don't know if you had this but i thought of another movie that we've done on this show steel in that apparently it's real big in the like late 90s early 2000s to have a big sale where all of the world's villains are gonna yeah, no, show I did, up i did <laughs> yeah. that did ring a bell um that there was the big auctioning of the new weapons tech to all of the uh and i will say that at least steel you know didn't shy away from the stereotypes well and Steel, it made more sense. I like I do have questions if we're really going to continue this as a trope. How 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 are they contacting all these people? <laughs> is there like a is there like a email chain? You know, is it is are they all part of the same like, you know, Back message then board? All part of the same Yahoo message board. Yeah. I think. So it's all just a message board uh, and they're all responding with emojis as to whether or not they can make it. Uh, we, I'm sure we'll talk more about that scene because I have thoughts on that scene. But I, I think we should before we get too, too in the weeds. I think we have to talk about the opening <laughs> because, like, yeah, no, hundred percent. I texted you when I was watching it that I felt like I could do an entire podcast about the opening because the opening is there's a lot to unpack. So much. So, DMX is. I guess a thief, like, right? He's a thief at a night. I think he's described at one point. So he's, I guess he's a thief for hire. We're no, they don't really tamp it down too much, but it seems like he, you know, maybe he's a guy that you go to if you want something stolen. He steals things. And he's got a team as any good leader of, you know, a squad, like anyone who's doing heists on that level, you got to have the team. Got to have a crew. So his team is him, forgettable guy. Um, Gabrielle Union, who's there to seduce people. Anthony Anderson, who's there to seduce people. <laughs> uh, and that's it, right? That's the whole team. <laughs> yeah, and then they sort of have, in the background, uh, they have Archie as played by Tom Arnold, but he doesn't show up yet. Yeah, but Tom Arnold is there. He's he's helping to coordinate the mission. So, so yeah, so we start, so they're going to rob a, a vault that has diamonds in it. And... DMX and forgettable guy, they they travel through the subway system up into the bank while Gabrielle Union walks up to the front desk of the building and her role throughout this film is person who seduces whoever, (laughs) whoever needs seducing. And you would think, you know, maybe a lesser screenwriter would have her succeed at that first and then run into trouble later. But this Cradle to the Grave is not interested in your conventions. So no. it's going to start with her being uh, outmatched and, and not able to use her charms. 
Because she's trying to seduce a gay guy. and A gay guy who is casually reading pornography at his desk. And that's how she figures out that he's gay. Is because he's just flipping through. <laughs> flipping through a gay porno mag. Yeah, at, at the front desk of this, of this job. So then, what are you going to do? You send in Anthony Anderson. Because... <laughs> There are only two types of sexualities, as we all know. People who are attracted to her and people who are attracted to him. I, I mean, people talk about the gender binary not being a thing, but I think that's it. I think it's just those two. You're either into Gabrielle Union or you're into Anthony Anderson and nothing in between. Yeah. So then he he rolls in. He starts flirting with the guy. So then she she goes up to the vault to help out. Then they use a rocket? To yeah, blow like the, you do. To blow the vault door open, uh, which it's jumping a little bit ahead. A vault that we will later discover is full of plutonium. They're going to shoot a rocket at it. Uh, and then, so they get in there, they steal these black diamonds that they don't know what they are. Meanwhile, Jet Lee is onto this heist. And so he calls the police. And then they have to escape through the subway. <laughs> And they climb on top of one of the trains while they split up with Forgettable Guy. Right. And then Forgettable Guy gets beat up by Jet Li while DMX and Gabrielle Union hang on to the top of it. I don't even know how. Like, the movie does not bother to give us any way that they would be. They're just laying on top of a train and somehow not sliding off. And then, sure. and then they escape, but they lose everything except the black diamonds. They lose all the other diamonds. Right. And then, but also a necklace that he gives to his daughter. That's, if that's all diamonds, that is tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah. And one of the bags of diamonds is just left in the subway tunnel. Nobody ever thinks to go get it. Also, Jet Li recovers the one bag from Forgettable Guy, dumps it out, is disappointed it's not the Black Diamonds, and then we never see those diamonds again. Now. And here's where, look, I'll say up front, I'll put my cards on the table, I enjoyed this movie, and then I will follow that up by saying it is not a good movie. Both of those are true statements on my end, too. Um, (laughs) But so... This movie makes no sense and makes no effort to make any sense yeah because now we're getting into the first like major just like thing that really left me scratching my head about this movie dmx as presented in act one he just wants to get paid he was hired to do a job it seems he would have been totally happy to get these diamonds that aren't the black diamonds and to just make the money off of them he yeah. has no other aspiration. He doesn't care what's happening. He doesn't care about this larger story. And he has the diamonds that you want. Jet Li has a bag full of regular diamonds. This movie could have been over in 10 minutes had they just exchanged those two things. Had they just done a swap. Yeah. You could make the argument that Jet Li is enough of an upstanding fella that he wouldn't let DMX get away with the ill-gotten goods. I guess. But here's the other thing. But that that wasn't broached at all. But here's the other thing. There's also the villain, 
who yes. also wants the diamonds, who does not have any sort of moral code like Jet Li does, who also could have obtained the diamonds had he just offered to pay DMX money for them. Right. And he refuses for some reason, Reasons. even though he's paid someone to steal them, being DMX, and even though he will pay Chi McBride later to get the diamonds, he just at this point is like, nah. Even yeah. though it's also revealed by the end of the movie, he is poised to make hundreds of millions of dollars in the sale of these. Right. But and DMX doesn't know what they're worth or what they are. You could have bought him off for easy under a easy. million, under a million. And that would have you still would have made so much profit. I bet you could have just cool million. Yeah, just I mean, make it a million just to just, yeah, let him be like, OK, cool. And then he's out in the movie at that point. Right. And then, yeah. And then it's Jet Li trying to win in Kitchen Stadium. And oh, I was wondering when we were going to get to that. Yes. Um, yeah. Thank you. for getting that to that. I don't know if you had that where I watched probably half of this movie being like, why do I recognize that guy? Like, where <laughs> no, do I know I, that villain from? Jump Street, I realized it was Mark Dacascos, who was uh, Iron Chef the, America. Yeah. The Iron Chef America, the chairman. Yeah, who's the nephew of the original Iron Chef chairman in the story of... The, of Iron the, Chef. Of America. Iron Chef. But yeah, I know I had that. It took me like half the movie to be like, where? No, I know this guy. Like, why can't I place who he is? And then, yeah, he's the he's the Iron Chef chairman. That yes. did make me happy. He also, uh, I remembered once I figured out who he was, that he's in the new John Wick movie, like the most recent one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, he works a lot. And that's, he's a good villain. Yeah, he is a good villain. Um, yeah, so, but anyway, that that did bug me that, you know, when you're creating characters in their wants, you, know, you really didn't need to kidnap the guy's daughter, which seems like way more trouble than it was worth when you could have just offered him some cash to get rid of him. Right. It, it doesn't, it's not established that DMX is like a Robin Hood type character. Yeah. He prays. That he's literally just a thief and you hire him to do jobs. I mean, what we know about him is that he prays. Um, he is a fan of close up magic. And he's a thief in the night. And he's going to give it to you. Yeah. I mean, wait for you to get it on your own. No, yeah. X going to give it to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that that all seemed odd to me. And. Also, nobody, one of the other bigger, big problems of this movie, nobody is good at strategy. No. Because Jet Li seemed really capable of, you know, like he, he seemed to surmise that they were going to escape through the subway. He seemed to be on top of things. Calling in the police really just made things more difficult for him. Yeah. And he, he called them to warn them ahead of time. Like just... He had the strategic advantage in that nobody knew he was involved in this, and he gives that up for no reason to tip them off. You know, that yep. seemed weird. Uh, and then, you know, I don't want to jump to the end, but I have a lot of thoughts on their plan at the end to to save the day and rescue DMX's daughter. Yeah, it, what they really needed was a bunch of cars to drive fast with. 
I mean, that would have solved everything. Look, say what you will about Dom Toretto's crew, but I I would say compared to this team, they are like they are Far like superior. Yeah, they if are like pit, the art of war. It, <laughs> like, if you pit uh, Sue and Anthony Fate against Dom and the gang. My money's on Dom and the gang. Okay, kids, yeah. This is we since we're here, we can jump back if we need to. But so the end, they figure out the warehouse where the diamonds uh, are being sold, which the diamonds turn out to be plutonium. Which I watched this with Molly, and she was pointing out too, like just how much everyone's just handling. It's like, I mean, they they make some case that they're stable somehow, but they're just you know, again, they're blowing the door off the safe. They're everyone is touching them. They they put on goggles, which is kind of hilarious because. I mean, what are you know, as famous yeah, I mean, fa- yes, thank you. Uh yeah, the goggles are not protecting you from I mean, that's the real story, is that everyone in this movie later died from the exposure to the plutonium that they were all right. in. They all developed various forms of cancer. Yeah. Like that's one hundred that's the grave that like is implied. There it is. Yeah, we did like, it. They all died. <laughs> uh, no, and that like and it, it's also not how plutonium works. Yeah. Um, like, yes. Nuclear weapons don't need stronger plutonium. No. It's just they use plutonium because it's an unstable element that you can easily bombard with protons to split another atom. Yeah, really the only like client for this product is Doc Brown. Like he needed this. He would have cleaned up. I'm surprised he wasn't there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he didn't get back in time. Marty, we need to go to Los Angeles. <laughs> There's uh, this guy, Sal Ling. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, he definitely needed it. Uh, but yeah, like, so here's my thing. So first of all, DMX's daughter calls him with the least helpful phone call ever, which is, yeah. I'm in a van in a warehouse and there's some lasers. That's all the information that she gives him. I mean... The van did have the windows painted so she couldn't see out. Yeah. No, I'm just saying, why include that scene? (laughs) She didn't. Yeah. That's not even how they find the warehouse. It's not that she tips them off. You know, it's just she just calls him and they already like gently. Like like, they should have been able to like triangulate her cell phone. That's what I'm saying. Like make Yeah. Make that moment mean something like it just cracked me up that it's like. Incredibly useless, the information that she gives him. But yeah, um, but Jet Li also already knows what they're selling, like what the diamonds actually are. So he could have easily, like all the information that they get from the laser thing, he already knows. Right. Because he already knows what their plan is. So all of that was you. But anyway, they, they managed to figure out and they actually figure it out because the helicopters all have to file flight plans. Right. That's how they know where to go. That's how they know which hangar that they're going to be at. Yeah, because, um, yeah, that's really easy to do, you know. So that's, um, but anyway, so then they figure out the hangar. They go there with a sniper and a tank and have, again, all of the tactical advantages. Also, you could point out this is another situation where all you had to do to get DMX to stay out of it was give him his daughter back. Right. Yeah. So you do that, him and his team are out, and it's Jet Li by himself. But they don't do that. 
uh, they instead so they keep her in the van and then they show up at the hangar. Nobody's looking for them because they already have the diamonds and they don't think they know where they are. So they're they're just full of confidence that they're fine. They roll in. They have a tank and a sniper. The sniper takes out two guys that are on the outside perimeter and then you would th- off for the rest of the thing. Yeah, it doesn't help anymore. The tank is there for show at first. <laughs> like, even though everyone is clustered very close together, one shot from the, uh, you know, the, the cannon of that tank, which we later learn is not even loaded when they roll into the place. One shot from that could have cleared that room. Could have solved world terrorism, arguably. Yeah, honestly, you know, but instead, all of the horrible terrorists that were going to buy this stuff all escape unscathed unscathed yeah even though there again there's a sniper that could have picked them off you know also again tactical advantage you could have like blown up the helicopters before you rolled in there's a lot of things they could have done but they don't do any of them instead they just barrel in there with seemingly no plan well i mean dmx was clearly there to stop drop open up shop mm-hmm. and yeah. that's what he did no i like it's almost like they were so laser focused on getting his daughter and getting the black diamonds that they didn't care about anything else well and it's like if you just it's wanted to get dumb. the dumb if you just wanted to get the daughter you know that she's in the van nobody's standing next to the van you covertly sneak in. They're they're capable of covertly sneaking into places. They have those skills. That's the first thing we learn about them is that they're good at the sneaky stuff. Yeah, so they could have snuck in and saved her first. They don't do that. But also, again, even if that's not their plan, if you want to, if you just want to barrel in their brute force, you have a tank. <laughs> right. Use it. And the tank has both a cannon and just a machine gun on it. Like, you know. Right. A, it's a tank. Yeah, so like, could have wiped out that room that way. Yeah, it it's dumb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then it devolves into every martial arts movie where all the good guys and bad guys pair off, mm-hmm. and the two girls fight, yeah. and Jet Li and the chairman's nephew fight, and DMX fights another guy. Yeah, yeah. Which I did. You have that too, where like I felt like DMX was a little uh, cheated in that. That like, who is this guy that he's fighting? He's the least memorable of the the bad. He guys. was like a mini boss at best. Yeah, <laughs> let him fight Chi McBride. Honestly, <laughs> like, right. I at least remembered him, you know, in the movie. Like another guy. I'm like, oh, every time he showed up, I was like, oh yeah, there's that guy. What's his thing? He doesn't want to be there. I don't know. Like, what was his yeah. character? He didn't have one. Because the yeah, the female villain was way more memorable in that she just like open hand slaps DMX's daughter for no reason and and talks about how much she hates kids. Right. So she had a thing. Yeah. Kelly, who had a thing? <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, is there other are there other things that you want to malign about it? Those are kind of what jumped um, out at me. Yeah, Tom Arnold. Just being casually racist through the whole movie. He's definitely casually racist. Uh, yeah. 
like that's his defining character trait besides being Tom Arnold. Yeah. Like at one point he says, well, I don't remember what he looked like, you know, because they all look the same. He's referring does. to black people. He does say that. And then um, he's having this conversation with Jet Li and he's like, and you guys can relate to that because you all look the same. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's a thing that happens in this movie. That is a thing that happens in the movie. Um, and there's a few other bits of casual racism strewn about for Tom Arnold's character. Yeah, and his character is not great. The funny thing is the clip that we played at the top, I thought him and Anthony Anderson were very charming in that when they're just they good in, rapport. Yeah. Which is not evident in the rest of the movie. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. No, his character is strange. And I don't think the movie really makes a case for why anyone would be working for him or working with him. I mean, um, in this movie, he has some underground connections and arguably money, but yeah, but he's not trustworthy. Like no. he, he double crosses everyone and is always looking out for his own neck. Yeah, I mean, I think that is that bears its fair share of, of malignance. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I mean, that's I, that's. The rest of the movies are just a bunch of cool action scenes, kind of. Yeah, which is why, I mean, I'm good to pivot. If you yeah. Want. Uh, so again, like we said, this movie. Oh, you know what? Sorry. This is not, this is neither maligning nor a silver lining, but I think this is the part that this is more a what could have been. So again, we get the DMX. He really loves his daughter and he, they have a thing where he, he, because he's DMX and this is him for real. If you've ever listened to one of his albums, he's going to pray with her, you know, which is, yeah. Uh, however, because then they use that to call back to that, to when she's in the van and he's missing her and he does the prayer. Um, this is just a thought that I had that I think would have made the movie slightly better. What if instead of a prayer, we got a DMX like cover slash remix of somewhere out there. I mean, we've already improved the movie. Yeah. Like think about that, right? <laughs> somewhere out there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, oh, I, I want to think, I thought of another thing to malign about this movie. Okay. Uh, it involves Gabrielle Union. Oh, the gist that she exists to have sex with people? Well, yeah, her character is just an example of Hollywood sexism. Yes. Um, her striptease scene, I was reading, she found out she was doing it on the day. Not good. No. Yeah. Like, she didn't know that that was a thing her character was supposed to do. Um, it wasn't in any of the scripts. They just put it in. And it's also the only thing her character has to do really of note in the right. middle well, of and the then movie is like out of nowhere, a fantastic martial artist. Yeah. Well, and like Gabrielle union, if you've seen her in other movies, including other actors, like she's really good at like, Oh yeah. I, I had that too, where it was like, I was very baffled by her casting because I was like, she like you cast someone who I just by seeing her thought was going to do fun like can do the action you know and can like right. be a really great presence i mean she's done that in other like action movies around this time you know uh but 
yeah, for some reason, she only exists to seduce people, which is very disappointing. And then have a fight with Kelly Who. Which was also disappointing. Like, I mean, not that they had a fight, but just that like they at the end, someone remembered (laughs) like, right. Maybe she should have something to do as well. Although I will say, and if we do want to actually pivot now, uh, the end of that fight, I just thought was badass. Oh, when she was about to shoot her and she like kind of bends her arm. So Kelly, who shoots herself like that was that was a badass fight move. It was great. Plus, like Kelly, who for like the complete shock on her face of realizing what just happened right as she's about to die was very like enjoyable too. no that that was cool. Uh, But yeah, maybe that's a good point to pivot uh, because yeah, the action scenes in this movie are great. Oh, yeah, they're awesome. And particularly the cutting back and forth between gently just one handedly demolishing the entire UFC roster while DMX escapes on an ATV <laughs> like from the cops and then uses that ATV to jump from rooftops to rooftops and like, you know, he's being chased by both the police and in what made me laugh out loud, the owner of the ATV <laughs> who's just like, hey, bro, whoa, no, this, man. This extreme sports Mountain Dew cover boy <laughs> who's is just chasing like, him. This is the least tight thing that's ever happened, bro. This is like, it's so not tight, it's loose, bro. <laughs> This is loose. Like, yeah, just that guy chasing after him uh, really on cracked his moped, me, which cracked me up. But then, yeah. yeah, so we get all of that, you know, which is just, but like legitimately the cut. So also that's when we get X going to give it to you as a needle drop is during that sequence. Yeah. I mean, you want to talk about playing to a guy's strengths <laughs> uh, and hiding their weaknesses. You have you have DMX blasting one of his all time great songs uh, while just tearing ass I, through downtown Los Angeles on an ATV. I'm going to remove your qualifier and just say one of the all-time great songs. <laughs> just yeah. Well, I'm saying like, but I know what you mean, but I just want that out there. Oh, you know, it is an all-time great song. Yeah, oh yeah. no, 100%. It, I'm just saying like you could put other all-time great songs in there and it wouldn't make sense. Yeah. But just like, look, this is a lesson that, you know, both Ryan Reynolds and Dan Harmon have have learned in recent years, which is any scene is improved by needle dropping X Gon't Give It To You. Like, oh, yeah. You, you put X Gon't Give It To You on the soundtrack. And yeah, it's your movie's already better. So that's a free. Already, yeah, that's a free filmmaking tip for any. And I don't care what the movie is. I don't know if you maybe you're sitting there and you're like, but I'm making a Merchant Ivory film like that doesn't really make any sense. Try it. You just. Pick a scene. Just uh, sipping tea, you know, like, oh, oh, you know, Mr. Darcy won't won't marry her or whatever. See how that plays. Oh, you're going to go out with my daughter. <laughs> what you hear and listen. What you hear and listen. Oh, no, we've dropped the crumpets. <laughs> X gonna give it to you. What? It's better. Yeah, it's, it's better. A, it's a better scene. Could you imagine, like... Arguably one of the greatest scores of all time is Jaws. Da, mm-hmm. da, but what if it was instead of da, da, it was like it's also just as good. Simil- Maybe not better, but yeah. definitely just as good. Also, close your eyes and picture this, right? So, you know, Darth Vader 
walking, walking yeah. through the, you know, like just, he's got his lightsaber out. He's just marching. And instead of bum, 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 it's just like, bum, 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 bum. Um, like you, like that scene, like in the end of Rogue One, if X Gone oh. Give It To You was playing. Yeah. Oh. If you guys it could. It was pretty badass, but just next if every, level. If everyone can excuse me, I've got to go edit that now. So, <laughs> so we'll hold for a few minutes, let that sink yeah, yeah. in. And then, um, yeah, no, but I mean, that <laughs> it was crazy that he beat up the entire early aughts. UFC heavyweight division. Yeah, he beat up uh, Chuck Liddell and um, Randy Couture and uh, Tito Ortiz. Ortiz. Yeah, all of them. Plus, like five other other guys. Ten other generic guys. Uh, Yeah, yeah. He absolutely demolished their heavyweight roster. (laughs) Yeah, one handed too. Like just a weird choice that's never really addressed but like Jet Li fights most of that movie just one-handed yeah and does the thing which Jet Li is so good at which is just like using as little movement as possible you know kind of mm-hmm. like using uh the big guys like their momentum against them so like letting them throw up like it's mostly defensive and you just tire the other guy out and then one like well-placed shot like grounds them right yeah, just yeah, no, yeah. It, it was awesome. No, that's great. That scene is great in any action movie. Like that stands up to any of the best like action movies that I've seen in in the era. Or like it's, I think it's in a conversation of just an isolated scene for like just highly enjoyable. You know, the- yeah. This movie, like even the last fight, which was super cliched as the rest of the movie is, admittedly, but like. You uh, man, I did smile when that ring of fire. <laughs> oh man, if you didn't smile, <laughs> yeah, what's wrong with you? But yeah, there's better. There's definitely better versions of that, like final boss battle, you know, in martial arts movies. But it is still a lot of fun. Yeah, because because uh, Mark Dacascos is also a fantastic martial artist. Yeah, and also, and at the time the film ended, the only person to die of exposure to this like highly volatile. <laughs> But Jet right, Li was irradiated off- uranium or plutonium to make it, you know, weapons grade. But Jet Li, who was a foot away from him, watching him die, uh, he put some goggles on, so he was fine. Right. Yeah. If, the, if, if there's one thing I know, it's that goggles protect you from everything. Hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and I mean, I like Anthony Anderson a lot. It was nice to see him. That made me smile. Yeah. He. He didn't do much. I was going to say, like, he again, I I find myself like that in credit conversation with him and Tom Arnold is a window into the comedy that could have existed (laughs) throughout the rest of this movie. I think Anthony Anderson is used better than Tom Arnold, but that's also a super low bar. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Um, But, you know, he's he's fun, you know, like he's a fun screen presence in the movie. And it was a weird thing that this almost is going back to maligning it. But when he has to seduce the guard, it's this weird bit of like, well, it's the early off. So we have to make sure there's a little bit of gay panic here. Yeah. But he's also going to go through with it. Yeah. Which is, yeah, just either one or the other. Yeah. Either do it or don't. Yeah. Either he's. Let me rephrase that. Not the gay panic. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do gay panic. Uh, Yeah. So there's all that. Um, But yeah. 
I will, I'll say straight up, I, like DMX, I have always found to be a, a really enjoyable screen presence. Uh, Jet Li, obviously, I, I'm a fan of too. Like, and the two of them together, I think, are a good pair. They're a good be- team. Because then there's an obvious contrast of like, I mean, this is what you want, right? In any kind of buddy cop scenario, they they have completely different styles and moral codes and play off of each other really well. Uh, all of that works for me, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, same. Uh, so that stuff's good. Always excited. Uh, who's, you know, uh, beca- you know, he hasn't quite become like a frequent guest, but he's definitely been on the show before. Chi McBride, huge fan of his work. Uh, and yeah, he like w- what a great heavy man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, it's just this is him in his element, smoking a cigar, dressed stylishly in complete in prison, contr- just yeah. like owning the prison. Yeah. was awesome. Yeah. I mean, he's great. There is He should be working all the time. And I don't understand why he's not in more stuff, because I'm always excited every time he pops up on well, my screen. And he also has range as an actor, because when he was the principal on that Boston public, like he showed a very much a softer nurturing side that really worked too. Yeah. Also, he's uh, delightful in the show Pushing Daisies, which I yeah. recently uh, got into and, and binged the whole thing. And like, uh, yeah, he's he's delightful. And he, yeah, I, I but was like, he can be the boss. He can be the heavy. He can like he's and he can be a nurturing, funny, warm character, too. I mean, he's a really talented actor and. You know, I more- think you could do a pass of this movie where you cut Tom Arnold's part completely and let all of every role that he served be played by McBride. And I think that yeah, that, I think you might be right. Yeah. Like just do a pass where you combine those two characters and it's just he's the one who gives them the mission, you know, that they have to keep dealing with. And then he could have been in a tank at the end. And watching him in a tank with Anthony Anderson, just watching them both cramped in there because they're <laughs> both very big men. That's already, yeah, that's already some solid Not comedy. Tom Arnold is small, but. But yeah, compared to just the mountain of a man. Bride, you know, yeah. 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 I, um, I'm trying to remember where else that he's shown up on, uh, but I'm sure he's been. Well, he was in Gone that, in 60 Seconds. That's true. Yep. Yeah. All right. There we go. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I think the movie is pretty well cast, all things considered. Yeah. Like, I think I think they chose the right people to do the right things. Um, Although, yeah, as we said, wish Gabrielle Union had been given a different role. Well, yeah, I mean, because I, I, I really like her as an actress. I think she's very talented and she's she's also can do funny, can do action, can do stunts, can do, you know, she can she's a, a multi threat. You mm-hmm. know, she can do a lot. And yeah, she I mean, she got the short shrift as far as like character development. And yes, indicative of Hollywood, I was going to say in the early aughts, but forever. Yeah, still no. I yeah, think, I don't think enough has changed. Um, But that's a, a prime example of it. Uh, yeah, I mean, this. If you're in the mood for a, an action flick and you haven't seen this one, like this is as good a choice as any to put up there. Like, it's dumb. It doesn't make a lot of sense. When you start pulling in a lot of threads, you're like, but why? Yeah. But it also has DMX tearing through, uh, you know, Warehouse City, Los Angeles in an ATV. It also has, again, I mean, we've we've touched on it, but just to put a finer point on it, all of the hallmarks of if you're a fan of DMX, what are the things, if you listen to one of his albums, what you get across is 
Uh, well, gay panic. I mean, that's not great, but that is in this movie, no, too. Yeah. That's... Uh, but then you get, you know, uh, he's a badass who will uh, mess you up, that he is deeply religious and likes to pray, and that as somehow at the center of it, he does have a heart of gold. And I think and family's very important and family's very important. And I think they really incorporated all of that into his character. Uh, So, yeah, if you're a fan of his and you like want to watch one of his movies to to remember him again, because Romeo must die from what I remember. He's he's not in it nearly enough. This this is the DMX like, you know, if you want action, dark turn. Yeah. If you want action and him as a leading man uh, in an action movie. Driving ATVs while, you know, some guy from Point Break chases him. Then, right. You know. Yeah. And while Jet Li beats up the entire heavyweight division from the UFC in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Both of those things are true. In this like movie. that all happens. Simultaneously. In one bit. <laughs> Simultaneously. And I would say it all happens while X Go and Give It To You plays, except the sequence is so long that that song plays and finishes and then they go to like the, the traditional score. Right. Because the action scene is still happening. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this, this is, this is a fun movie, but it's also dumb and silly and makes no sense as a lot of fun movies do. Yeah. So, so, uh, and if you're really bored, just go and edit X Go and give it to you into whatever scene you want. And it's going to make it better. I'm already onto it. That's our new, <laughs> that's our new spinoff where we're going to be releasing those videos. <laughs> that's going to be, um, that's going to be on our YouTube channel. We're just going to have X Go and give it to you edited into famous movie scenes. Arr, arr, arr. Silver Linings Playback is a production of HoboTrashCan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. How many times has this happened to you? I just want to listen to a podcast. I can't choose from all these complicated structures and setups. You want to listen, not think. That's why there's Hobo Radio. You'll feel like the smartest guy in the room in a room by yourself. This doesn't take any intellectual thinking at all. Thanks, Hobo Radio. Hobo Radio, a weekly podcast on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network.